What is going on, party people, and welcome to episode 8 of The Review Show. My name is Kyle Springer, and I am joined by Melissa Wilkinson. Melissa, Hi, everyone. how are you? I'm good. I believe I only said hello to Kyle last weekend, so I want to make sure. <laughs> audience. Audience is included in the hello. It's a hello for everyone. Yes. Hello and welcome to everyone out there. Um, let's see. This week, we are going to be talking about Strangers in Paradise, volumes 1 through 2. Uh, which I am super excited to talk about. I think we're going to have an interesting conversation with this yeah. one. I am excited. Um, but you said you were good. What, what, what have you been up to this week, Melissa? Oh, I recorded another podcast last night, and I have another podcast to record tomorrow, and then another one on Wednesday. So it's, which is the ideal lifestyle for me. I'm just in this world of like recording and then reading and watching stuff so that I am prepared to record. And it's a busy life, but it's the life I wanted to lead. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sounds like a lot of fun. You are a podcasting maniac. Yep, yep. Now you're on like 16 shows. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not 16. It's only like five <laughs> same thing you know 16 5 <laughs> not, not that different that's good it's fun um you and i off mic we're talking about one that might be happening very soon mm -hmm. uh, which would be really cool I, I will hold off on mentioning what that is until things are a little bit more concrete but sounds like fun yeah sounds like fun um so for those of you guys who are joining us uh, you can be watching this live on Twitch, um, or listening in live on Twitch. We don't have our cameras up and working for Twitch just yet. Um, but yeah, come hang out with us in the Twitch chat. Uh, that is the place to be. You guys can comment and tell us what you thought of the books or movies that we are watching uh, and talking about on this show. And we would love to have your guys' input too, so bring it on. I, I say, the more the merrier. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so you guys can be joining us live on that. If you guys can't make the live chats, we put this out on YouTube and as a podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, no matter what universe you are in. Uh, and we put that up a week later. So we are recording this uh, on Saturday the... I don't know what the date is. The 19th, May 19th. Yes. But this will be out uh, next Saturday. <gasps> Kyle, um, Kyle, do you know what today is? I just what? realized. This is the five-year anniversary of the first time I went to Disney World. <laughs> I was looking at the date, and I'm like, why does May 19th stick out in my brain? Oh, yes, that would be why. This is important. <laughs> this is important. I know this. <laughs> cool. So five years ago was your first time at Disney World or Disney Hang on. Disney World. I have yet to make it to land. Disney mm. World. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, how, how many times have, have you been there since? I have not been able to get back since. I definitely want to go back. This was like a... You, you have to I go. I know. It's the anniversary. Leave right I... now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I told my mom, because I got to go for my college graduation, and so I told my mom, whenever you retire then I am going to take you. Mm -hmm. And who knows if she will ever Aww. retire. She, she's a, she's a nice. hardworking lady, but I, I think eventually I will get her there. 
cool. Cool. That 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 should be a lot of fun. It's been forever since I've I've been to Disney World. So oh, good good mm-hmm. stuff. Good memories. Um but yeah, let's let's dive into this these comics mm-hmm. here. Strangers in Paradise. Yes. Uh we read volumes one through two. And I was maybe about an hour ago looking up some information on it in Wikipedia. Tell me. And I didn't know how many issues there were and stuff like that. We only read a very, very small chunk. Oh. I think there, there was, I think, uh, Strangers in Paradise Wikipedia says total there has been 107 <gasps> oh issues. Oh my god! We just read like 12. Yeah. So we barely oh, scratched the surface on this. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I am a diehard fan of Terry Moore and Strangers in Paradise and all the comic books he makes, and you're like, I love the entire series, well, we have yet to, to experience mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, so we, we just got the first, the first two volumes, the first chunk, uh, which is like the first uh, like 12 issues, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, is is how many we read? Technically, they're like they. So according to Wikipedia, the volumes are done kind of st- strange. Yeah. Um, volume one was published by Antarctic Press in 1993. I also didn't realize how mm-hmm. old it was. Um, so the first three ish- issues is volume one, and that's pretty small for a first mm-hmm. volume. Most most uh, like trade paperbacks are four or five maybe six um that's usually where it goes uh but then he started self-publishing it uh with his own abstract studio uh is the name of it and that's where volume two is and there was uh i guess 14 issues total is what he did with that there was the like the second v- volume that we read, and then the like the third volume after that, where there was like three more issues oh. or something um, with that, and then they, it moved over to Image C- Comics for a while, and then it moved back to Abstract Studios, uh, and then it, he's been self-publishing it ever since. And recently, actually, actually this year, two thousand eighteen, he revived it. Ooh. Uh, so it it went to to about two thousand seven. Uh, and then this year he re- revived it with a brand new series. Wow! So some some interesting publication information there. Yeah, that's neat. Crazy stuff. Um, what did you think of it though? What what were your g- general thoughts? I really liked it. Like when you first pitched this to me, you pitched it as a love triangle, slice of life kind of dramedy, and then it gets into crime. And so I had to pick that one. So I'm like, I have to know how this turns into crime. And even knowing (laughs) that it was going to take a turn, I had no idea the turns it was going to take. Like, I was really pleasantly surprised by this entire thing. It was a really nice treat. Good. Yeah, I I liked it. I didn't like it at first, though. Hmm. I I got done with those first three, and I was like, well, it's it's not bad. Maybe not for me. Um, but that 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 second volume we read that gets more into the kind of thriller story with Kachu and her back <laughs> around. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is getting a lot more interesting for me. Um, but yeah, 
It was good. I I I in, enjoyed it. If if you guys out there haven't read this, um, definitely go check it out. Terry Moore, who writes and draws the this, mm-hmm. um, d- d- he has some fantastic work. I love his style. Um, I've I've read Rachel Rising, um, and that's actually all I've read of his. I'm I'm hoping to, to read more of uh, Strangers in Paradise, and he had a recent series called. Um, Oh, God damn it. It's, my mind is blanking. It is Motor Girl. Okay. That's it. Motor Girl. Um, and I've heard nothing but good things about that one as well. Um, but yeah. So if, if, if you guys haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. Uh, t- to give you guys a, like a short elevator pitch, uh, it, it's, it's kind of about these two women and their kind of difficult relationship and the people they meet the people they fall in and out of love with uh they meet this guy named david um and they they it's it's just yeah it's it's kind of this love triangle that that's happening there and if 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 the book were to only focus on that i i don't think this would be a book for Mm me um but Terry Moore starts to weave in uh, this like mysterious backstory for some of the characters, and they had done some things in their past that they aren't necessarily proud of, or they you know don't they, they just they want want to move on, uh, and it starts to get more into like a crime thriller yes. story, but you still have these aspects of the like these relationships and just how how they meet and. Uh, just the, the the ins and outs of everyday life and the drama that comes with that. Um, so it, it, it's actually very interesting, and I highly recommend it. Um, but, as always, we are about to get into some spoilers. Uh, so if you have not read it and you want to, uh, go, go, go check it out right now. You can come back uh when this goes up as a podcast and you can uh dive in then but if you guys are sticking it out with us on twitch here Mm -hmm. thank you thank you for joining us um yeah so now that we're in spoiler territory what did you really think of this book what 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 was something that stood out to you how well i think everything was executed like the little slice of life stuff is very well done and then the thriller stuff is also very well done and just how effortlessly he could switch between all of these different angles i was very impressed with cool yeah the the two main characters are francine and Mm -hmm. kachu those are, those are the, the, the two women that the, the story kind of focuses on. And her name on. is Katina um, Shuvansky. So that's why they call her Kachu. Yeah. It's kind of a portmanteau yeah. of both of her na- names, which is neat. Um, I it, At one point, she had, it looked like she had allergies yeah. or something, and she sneezed. And so I was like, I wonder if there's some kind of <laughs> running joke with that. She- 
um, that it's, 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 it's like, oh, maybe, like, she has really bad allergies, and it's a mix of her name mm-hmm. and, like, the sneezing sound, like, mm-hmm. achoo, you know? But no, it's, it's her first yeah, and yeah. last name. Um, yeah, hey, what is up to, uh, Kiki Dud one in the live chat? How are you doing? Thanks for joining Hi. us. Um, yeah, um... So that was cool. I I, I liked her mm-hmm. nickname. I I, th- I thought that was yeah. kind of neat. Um, and it was Kachu that was the one that that kind of had the mysterious background that we that ends up being the kind of starting point of the the whole thriller yeah. aspect of boy this she's book. quite a background. Like they took all the possible background elements they could give to anybody and they gave all of them to her. Yeah, pretty much, um, and I, I, I have to say, I think they mm-hmm. did it well too, because I, I think with uh, what she was involved in, with the like being in 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 mm-hmm. escort and probably having drugs yeah. involved and sex work and stuff like, like that, can be some very dicey, mm-hmm. touchy subjects, and I think a lot of people can handle that very poorly, um, in the sense that they. Like, they might not do their research, or, I mean, like, they, they have the whole p- 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 mm. point in there that, hey, being an escort is different from yeah. a hooker, you, you know? Like, it's 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 a kind of throwaway line in in there, but they're, they're like, no, it, there's actually a difference here. Like, not all sex work is exactly yeah. the same. There's different, there's different things, which is nice, and I, I think they handled that. Uh, really well, yeah, which is good. Yeah, and they did balance out, like, uh, we say they, this is one guy that made this. <laughs> he did balance out all the different elements he put in her story. Like, he also mentioned she was an alcoholic. Like, he shows her briefly at an AA meeting, and she's looking at a bottle of vodka, like, in her modern-day life while she's flashing back to the AA meeting, and she's like, no, I'm not falling back yeah. into this, and she, like, knocks it off the dresser. And it was, like... Which, yeah, which... It, it, it was yeah. just that one yeah. panel, too, and you're like, "Oh, huh. like we're not okay," and then it, it it just moved on then. But it was like, "Oh, that's a good little tidbit of backstory to 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 like give her like more mm-hmm. weight to her like who she, who she is and more agency, which was yeah." Neat. And I like how there were layers to the different things that gave her such a troubled past and how she wasn't like equally focused on all of them at the same time and she had so much going on like oh yeah alcoholism abuse those are the footnotes yeah yeah she she has some crazy stuff Mm -hmm. going on in her backstory um i i kind of want to back up for a minute though the the volume one started off in a very strange place uh, what did you think of the opening scene? Because it, it's it's them ten years ago mm-hmm. when they're in high school and they're doing a school play and Francine, the main character, is wearing <laughs> yes. a toga. And she's obviously having some trouble keeping this thing on. And she's voicing her concerns and no yeah. one really cares. And she goes out there and it ends up going <laughs> so terribly wrong. wrong. And I just, I mean, it's, it's like, 
five or six pages yeah. to start off, and that is your introduction to mm-hmm. her. Or at, at least her and Kachu, catch, catch and, like, what their kind of relationship is. Um, but what did you think of that? Because that, that's a very strange place to to uh, start yeah, the book. I think it gave me an expectation that we were going to have more flashbacks to their high school time and, like, more people that, like, they knew during that time were going to pop up, and it's really just that. Which I did kind of like, that that play is just something between the two of them, and, like, they'll reference it every once in a while, like, oh, do you remember that crazy play we had to do in, like, 11th grade, and then my toga fell down, and it's, it's an yeah. interesting context to the rest of their life in that you know it shows Francine being able to like pick herself up and dust herself off and keep on going and it talks you know it shows uh Kachu as somebody who can be in and out of Francine's life but when Francine really needs her there she'll be and it gives the background of like Francine having like a million boyfriends a lot yeah it gives you like a lot it it puts a lot in there it's not just like a fun jokey opening bit to show, like, the humor of the piece where, like, her toga falls down. It gives you... It, there's a lot in there. It's very efficient. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um... It, it, it was strange t- t- to me because it, it's it's a very strong way mm-hmm. to, to to open it. Um, and... I, I'm, like... A, again, we didn't really scratch the surface with this book right like there's there's so much of it and we only read the first like 12 issues and so i'm i'm wondering how that plays in down the road of this scene where she's in her high school play and her toga falls off and she is basically standing there topless in front of the entire school um and it's it's kind of a disaster and i'm i'm Mm -hmm. wondering if you think just the the fact that he, here is a disaster. <laughs> Do, what does that say about Francine and who she is? The first note that I wrote down was that Francine is always honest. There's this world where there's so okay. much lying going on. And some of it's not like bald faced lies. Some of it's just like Kachu's, uh, her love for Francine, her like serious romantic love that she just keeps like below the surface and she only lets slip out as like a joke. Yeah. There's, which I wouldn't call lying, but that's sort of, she's not being truthful. Francine is always truthful about everything and it ends up not really getting her anywhere better than anyone that is lying. Yeah. <laughs> Like, she ends up in such a rough place. Like, she's... I think it's at the end of Volume 1, where she has that giant breakdown in the park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. Um, where she I takes mean, all of her clothes off on purpose. Again. <laughs> Here's another scene where she's basically <laughs> naked. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's... Yeah, like, I, I think that, that first, those first three issues really set the, the, the kind of slice of life tone, um, where it, it, it was, it is a little bombastic at times, um, it, but, like, it, it has these people and they're just kind of being honest about who they are and what they want and, well, yeah. kind of honest about what mm-hmm. they want, um, but, 
Yeah, so, like, I, it, it just, like, I, I, I feel like it's, it's mostly a metaphor, like, that, that opening scene is more metaphor mm-hmm. for not only who she is, but, like, like, what, um, j- just kind of all the relationships that she has. Yeah. Right? Where it's, it's either A, a disaster, because she was like, hey, my toga's gonna fall off, someone help me, and no one did, <laughs> and then, you know, disaster strikes, or the fact that, yeah, she is naked in front of everyone. She is being brutally honest about who she is. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is me. Um, but then, yeah, we get the crazier side where she she is kind of going back to her boyfriend, even though they're kind of in the midst of breaking up in that scene, and she's like, fine, yeah. you want to have sex with me? Let's do it right here in yes. public. <laughs> in the park right now i don't care because that's what you want fine fuck it you know let's just get this over with um and yeah it's 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 i i I think like you just said it's a lot i think that's who francine is she's a lot uh she is and how do you think kachu deals with her like is is she able to cope well is is she like what do you think their dynamic is there they absolutely adore each other and kachu has this romantic love for francine that she just sort of hides away because i think she knows it, it wouldn't work and she'd ruin a really good thing that she has going like oh francine i know she isn't interested in women she wouldn't be interested in me i don't want to make this weird Mm -hmm. i'll the only time i'll let my love for her come out is when i'm trying to give her a confidence boost like you know francine you're beautiful any man would date you (laughs) which is so sad and like she gives her this like sincere confession in the form of a pep talk and that's how francine takes it like oh kachu thank you you're always there to, you know, boost my confidence when a, a yeah. boyfriend's not being nice to me. Yeah. They they have an interesting relationship because I, I think you're right. Like, if if mm-hmm. they if they just jumped into it and kind of did the relationship thing pretty much where they are now, yeah. I, I, I don't think it would work out well. I, mm-hmm. I don't think it would work. And they, they, they would ruin the friendship that they have mm-hmm. um but I, I don't know about you i'm kind of rooting for them to yes! get together yes and there is a panel like towards the end of volume two where we do see uh francine with like a k monogram pendant on i didn't notice that yeah yeah and like it's just sort of a close-up on her so i don't remember like what the context of that panel is like where she's at but yeah she's got mm-hmm. one interesting I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, like, obviously best friends, so we do get scenes where they're like, oh, I love you, I love yeah. you too, but it's it's one of those things, it's like, yeah, we know you guys love each other at that level, but we also know at least one of you loves you a little bit more, um, and, yeah, it's, I, I, I just think it's fun to watch them, because they obviously care a lot about each other. Other, but they obviously don't know about each other either. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
Kachu wasn't the only one with a little bit of background that was revealed. And I was like, oh, huh, interesting. <laughs> um, there was something the this comic did that kind of threw me for a loop. And uh-huh. maybe we can talk, talk about it here or down the road. I'm not sure. But there were a couple t- 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 times where it broke into prose and was more yes! of an actual novel rather than yes. comic book pages. Um, and I don't mind it doing that as long as it's not often in a comic book. If it's like an mm-hmm. extra sup- supplementary thing at the end of the book or something, like mm-hmm. Watchmen has a lot of stuff yes. like that. Um, and it's cool to kind of get that extra information. But in that, in one of those kind of novel excerpts, um, mm-hmm. we hear from a possible ex-boyfriend of Francine who was like, she was basically a sex fiend. Yes. Whereas, whereas uh, the boyfriend she has at the start, well, I forget his name, uh, Freddy? Uh, was that it? Yeah, I think it's like, Freddy. I mean, yeah. Freddy. Uh, let's see. Wikipedia, don't fail me. Yes. F- Freddy. Um they were together for a year and they hadn't had sex yet and that's kind of where the whole breakup thing comes from and him being Mm -hmm. like yeah look this isn't working out um and yeah and just like hearing that it's like huh so we also don't know much about francine after these first two volumes there's more to her yeah uh which that that I think was one of the biggest surprises in this book for me was not not the whole uh, Kachu backstory of her mm-hmm. being an escort and her potentially stealing this money and stuff like that, um, but this idea that that Francine actually really enjoys sex and yeah. like she has it's like she's not waiting for the right moment per se. Or for mm-hmm. the right person, you know, you know, she's not waiting until ma- 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 marriage. Um, but yeah, I was like, huh, that yeah, th- that, that, s- that one surprised me the most. You get some of that in that opening scene of the first volume at the school play where it talks about how she's been with like a ton of boys and she's like, oh, like no isn't a word in her vocabulary. She's just up for everything. She's just very voluntary and enthusiastic but of course that's at a high school level who knows how far you're actually going with anything and yeah you kind of get the feeling that her relationship she has with freddie is because she's like okay i need to slow down i need to not think about physical things and just be in an emotional relationship for a while so you get hints to it but yeah at the end where the guy's like oh yeah she is insane she is at the top of her game a hundred percent of the time yeah there's you know or like we've said hot to, tr- hot to trot as they like to <laughs> <Yes>! say <laughs> as they said in the mid 90s yeah there is a lot to francine she's an incredibly capable woman yeah um yeah i i i didn't take that opening scene of kachu calling her easy to mean mm-hmm. sex that that never stuck out to me okay. as as hey you've been with every guy in this high school you know um, it t- 
to me it was more of Kach Kach Kachu was the kind of bad girl that all the guys dejated and stuff like that. Where mm-hmm. Fr- Francine seemed more like the goody two shoes and was she, yeah, she was just yeah. very nice and uh, maybe was good f- friends with everyone, but didn't actually like hook up with them. Yeah, I think if it would have said, like, oh, you don't know how to say no to anyone, I would have thought more like that. But I think it specifically said, like, oh, you can't say no to any of the guys around here. Yeah. The the one scene at the start, though, that did I I did flash back to when I found out that, that you know, she has this kind of other life, (laughs) quote-unquote, was when she, like, she, her and... Freddie are having an argument and she leaves the room but she pops her head back in and she says you know I'm actually really good at sex and <laughs> like uh-huh. and like it was it was one of those things it's like oh she's probably just you know just like trying to t- t- talk some shit shit and be like hey I'm actually really good so you just <laughs> wait for the right moment buddy you know but uh like once that was c- kind of revealed I immediately went back to t- had that scene it's like uh-huh. oh she actually wasn't ch- choking around she was like she was serious there yeah francine huh. is honest Strange. francine's always honest speaking of honesty and francine there was a panel in there that i absolutely loved uh-huh she's getting a midnight snack yeah and she pulls out a giant tub of ice cream <laughs> cream, a gallon of milk, and chocolate syrup, mixes it all together by hand, and is eating yeah, it and goes, yes. now this is what I call a milkshake, and it is, <laughs> she's just like mid, like mouth open, yeah. like stuffing this ice cream, which mm-hmm. it, it's not even a milkshake, it's just, you know, it's just like milk poured on top of ice ice cream with yeah. chocolate sauce, it, it was weird, um, but it was it was that was i think the most honest mm-hmm. that I, I i i saw her where she's just like i don't care this is a milkshake and i love my life <laughs> yeah yeah i kind of oh that whole francine putting on weight subplot was interesting because it never came to as much as i thought it would i guess that was more of the slice of life kind of aspect yeah. of this comic coming up because it doesn't it's not really, like, a plot point. I mean, it's talked about how, oh, she's so upset after her boyfriend breaking up with her and then Kachu sort of... leaving did, for yeah, a while. Yeah, she disappears yeah. for two months and then comes back and is being really, you know, cagey about exactly where she went all of a sudden. So there's a lot of stress in Francine's life leading to her just sort of binging on a bunch of junk food. And that's really about it. it, it there's not any, like, big character moment that comes out of it. And I liked yeah. how that was just sort of low-key and normal and there for more of, like, the kind of the... Well, not really the comedic relief. It's not, like, a whole pile of fat jokes or anything like that, but... Yeah, no, I don't think they, yeah. they shamed it or no, anything No, no, but like it's that. just there to be, like, a more lighter, like, everyday human touch among... At this point in the series where it's getting into a lot of, like, the crime and, you know, drama intrigue. Yeah. And I... Um, go, go, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I also loved... I think it's the cover for issue seven, 
where it's the picture of Francine and she's wearing that like short dress with all the buttons on it. And she's got like a scarf and she's like waving her hands in the air and she's looking real free. That's just mm-hmm. a great illustration of Lady Pudge on that cover. Like I looked sure. at it and I'm like, oh, that's me. Like you've nailed it. Like, yes, it's like there's fat roll yeah. one, fat roll two. I'm like, the anatomy, you've got it. You've nailed it down. Yeah, <laughs> which is is something that Terry Moore does often. I, I think he, he de- definitely has a good variety of characters with different body t- yeah. types and stuff like that, which is always neat to mm-hmm. see, especially in comic books, since you don't get much of it often, mm-hmm. especially in superhero stuff, um, which I guess this isn't superhero stuff, but no. y- you, you get my point. Um, yeah, and I like I, I think it's handled well, too, you know? It's just like, oh, yeah, she's a little bit chubbier, but that's it, you know? She <laughs> runs into her ex at the su- supermarket, who's just like, wow, kind of let yourself go there that's kind of the one time where she's kind of shamed for it um but and it's it sounds like uh he her ex told his new girl that she was kind of crazy and in like a crazy hospital or something mental hospital or yeah, and and she started saying that like, oh, it's good to see you out of the the asylum, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, um, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Don't mind her. Mm-hmm, she just says mm-hmm. things sometimes. Ugh. Um, yeah. So that was awkward. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like even stuff like that is, I I think moments that actually do happen in real life, though, where you see yeah. someone you haven't seen in a long time, or you see an ex. And it's just like, ooh, well, this is awkward. You don't yep. look so great, or you look good, or you don't, you know? It's just like, ooh, this yeah. is tough. And like, um, yeah, and I really felt for Francine in that panel, like, oh boy, if I ran into my ex-boyfriend, I know I look worse than the last time he saw me. <laughs> yeah, and usually if you're only going out to the supermarket and stuff, you're not, you know... You're not aiming to look your best. You're in, like, sweatpants and yep, some things. Yep. Like, I, I need to get my food and I need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That, that's a, that, that is a tough place to be in. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the third point on this triangle? Do you want to talk about David? Because David was intriguing to me in that I got to a point where I realized... We're only seeing a little piece of their lives, but I know there's, like, whole worlds out there for Francine and Kachu. Like, they feel very real. Like, it's not right there in front of my page, but I know they've been on tons of adventures in the past. And I looked yeah. at David, and I'm like, I I get way less of a vibe like that with you, David. Like, I don't know what else you're up to when I'm not seeing you. Like, it seems like you're an artist, but he felt less vivid. He felt less lively. And eventually, I'm like, oh okay, this was kind of on purpose that David is way less of an open book to us than the other characters are. Kind of, yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, let's see if I can find it here. Where did this go? David, where did you go? <laughs> so I'm not gonna spoil it for you. Mm-hmm. In c- 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 case you do keep writing this. Yeah, I think I will. I had something kind of, 
I, I had something kind of spoiled for me on the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Um, to say something about his backstory and kind of all of that stuff. And I was just like, oh, oh, goodness. Uh, there is a lot more to him than meets the eye. Does it uh, explain like, why like, he's so buff? He's not super buff, but he does have kind, kind of, of this... He, he's he got kind of a Clark Kent thing going on where he looks like just this nerdy guy with glasses, but you see him with his shirt off at one point, and it's like, whoa, you're not, like... You're not Superman, but you are way buffer than I would have thought before you took your shirt off. Is this plot-relevant buffness? I... Yeah, I, I don't know if it was something that he thought of originally. Um... Because, like you said, I like w- as I read this, I just felt David was the boyfriend. Like he, mm-hmm. or he, he was the third wheel. He was the least interesting, least important um, kind of character mm-hmm. there. So he, he, he was more of a cardboard cutout for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So seeing a couple of these details on the Wikipedia page, and you bringing up this, he's actually kind of buff. It's like, yeah, that might actually play a role in what he did or used to do in his past. Um, and it's kind of surprising. I mean, kind of, but not really, considering mm-hmm. his sister and kind of what she does. Oh yeah. Uh, so did did one of the big twists and reveals in this book is that David is actually Darcy Parker's brother. Mm-hmm. The Darcy P- Parker was kind of the person that uh, Kachu stole a bunch of money from, uh, or allegedly stole it. At the yeah. end, we see that she did, but it's kind of one of those things where we still haven't really seen this money and it is <laughs> kind of this real shady yeah. thing, so who knows yet. Um, but, yeah, and that, that that I think was one of the big twists, that he was actually kind of in on this whole thing. Yeah, um, I didn't see that coming one. at all. Not at all, because David met you just randomly well we we think it's randomly yeah one day at the art m- museum and he starts hitting on Kachu and asks her out yeah and he's um, very sweet which was why i you're right david is kind of a cardboard cutout but he's a very pleasant cardboard cutout and especially earlier on in the series like we're spending more time with freddy there's just like a lot of despicable dudes around and I'm like come on there has to be like one legitimately like kind guy around and I'm like oh good it's David here comes David so I instantly like took a liking to the him the voice of reason yeah it's like... just like a boy, a boy in a sea a boy and a boy a buoy buoy it's pronounced buoy is the word a boy and a buoy in a sea that's David just floating around. So, like, I gravitated towards him, and I kept wanting to find out more about him, and I'm like, why don't why don't we know David as well? If he's supposed to... I mean, I know it's really Francine and Kachu's story, but that yeah, I'd like to learn more about David, and we never did until we found out why we didn't know more about David. And I just was not expecting, like, that romantic slice of life and the drama to like intersect like that i was not expecting oh yeah the other love interest he was a plant the whole time yeah yeah it was it was 
quite the twist. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd say. Um, talk to me about the artwork. I, what did you think of the artwork? I loved the artwork. I don't know a lot about comics, and I know even less about non-superhero comics, but I looked at this and I'm like, this is whatever I had in the back of my brain as the platonic ideal of mid-90s indie comic. Like, this looks like exactly what it's supposed to look like, and also so surprisingly, like, excellent. Like, he plays with style a lot, and he goes between, like, these sort of, not goofy, but, like, simplistic and expressive, like, comedic reaction faces in some panels to these... More cartoony moments. Yeah, more, like, comic strippy to these beautiful, like painful illustrations of you know like the old romance comics of i'll never talk to brad again like those big beautiful portraits of women with tears on their faces and like individual like strands of hair flowing in the wind he goes between like those things and it all felt so fluid and his panels were composed really beautifully oh i was real like i was really impressed by the artwork it was very I felt, okay. yeah, I felt affected by it. Not just like, oh, this artwork is here to tell a story. And I appreciate the writing and the characters of the story and the art because it is here to bring me that. Like, oh, no, the, the art specifically is making me feel things. If there were no words on the page at all, if there were no words in this issue, I'd still feel things looking at this art. Cool. Good. Um, my second question about the art. Yes. This was also in black and white. Yeah. And last week we talked about uh, a movie called Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, which I didn't also even realize. In black and white, but that was we did a two... movie. Yeah, I didn't realize um, we did two black and white things back to back. Yeah, we sure did. But we kind of concluded that the movie, Much Ado About Nothing, decided to make it in black and white, pr- probably to give you less to focus on because it was all in Shakespearean English and you kind of had to focus on that to figure out what was going on. Yeah. This, you don't, you know, they're not speaking in Shakespearean English. Um, And it could have just been a limitation of money and couldn't afford to Mm -hmm. get a colorist or who knows. Um, You you know, we, we... can't really spec- speculate on on that. Maybe the answer is out there in some interview or something like that. But what do you think having it in black and white did for this book? Did it Im- impact the story at all, or do you think it was just like no, it it, it worked fine? It, you know, I think having it in black and white did impact how I felt about the story because it made it feel more independent and real, like. It brought even closer to my mind, like, oh yeah, this is one guy doing all of this. And he wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. all of this by himself unless this was something that he really cared about. Like, these women and the people around them felt so real to him that he's like, I just have to get this out. And with the tools that I have on hand, and it is black ink. Sure. It sure. Fe- yeah, it makes it feel very personal. I think, and intimate, that you have that layer of color okay. removed, and you're, like, that much closer to these characters. Interesting. Because Terry Moore does most of his work in black and white like this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I I've mentioned before that I read all of Rachel Rising, which is more of a horror story uh, that he did, uh, which is actually really good. Um, to, it's about this girl who is murdered and then wakes up, <gasps> like after she's been killed, uh, and she doesn't remember anything, and all she has is like the marks on her neck where she had the like rope around her and stuff like that and she has to figure out what the hell is going on um but yeah that was good but he he does this black and white thing and i think specifically in rachel rising it works really well with the horror because it it is this kind of stark yes. light and dark contrast um where you can you can really p- play with shadow and you know is something really in that black not really but maybe there you know um but this is not that style and i i think you use the word intimate like it makes it a lot more personal and intimate and i I think i I think for this book that's kind of what it does but i don't know if it was as profound Mm mm-hmm an effect in in this book. I, I kind of didn't really think much of it in in this book, if, if, if that makes sense. It was just like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, if there's no color, let's m- move on. Um, I mean, it, it, is that kind of what happened with you, or no? Yeah, I, I think maybe a little bit at the beginning, that's kind of how I felt. Like, I didn't really think about it. And I used to read a lot of comic strips when I was a kid, you know, like, and we got, okay. like, the newspaper every day for a while. Typically. Yeah, and you'd get the, um, you know, like, the big Calvin and Hobbes books and the big Garfield books and all of those classic introductions to yeah. sequential art for children. And it just kind of reminded me of that. And then as the story just started to get more dramatic and less like a little episodic slice of life thing, less like a comic strip... I started thinking about the black and whiteness of the art as something more dramatic, like the way the story was getting. Yeah. So, speaking of uh, newspaper strips, I'm going to read from Wikipedia Mm -hmm. here. I'm using Wikipedia a lot (laughs) on this episode. Um, But it says, Terry Moore stated that I wanted... I started out wanting to do a newspaper sh- paper strip and tried uh, one idea after another before I realized I hated the Gagaday life and really wanted to try a story instead. The story he, ch- he chose to tell turned out to be Strangers in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, or this story about two girls and a guy who gets to know them. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Um, yeah, um, so it, it, it he kind of was working on newspaper stuff before this and was just like I kind of want to do something else um, so I, I think a lot of that sensibility of the black and white just hey I'm I'm gonna make like pure unadulterated comics mm-hmm. like I'm, yes. I'm not even gonna worry about color I'm not like I'm just here to tell a good story yeah um and I, I, I think in that way, it, it worked really well in his favor. I don't know if it was just the version that we read on Comixology Unlimited, mm-hmm. but the first three issues were more of a gray rather than a like, straight black. Oh. 
um, or just you know just just, just not because like by by time we get to like the the end of volume two, I noticed that everything was just sh- straight up black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, but the those first three ish issues seemed a lot lighter in contrast. Oh, I didn't to notice me. that. Well, I guess this is why you're a graphic I, I, I designer know, and I'm was, not. <laughs> that it just stood out to me. I was like, "Huh, this looks a little bit light." Um, but no, like I, 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 I don't really have a a critique about that. It was just like that was something I noticed, and I'm wondering if he's since gone back and like manipulated them digitally, huh. and like he actually did these with ink and. Uh, I mean, since this was coming out in the mid '90s. You know, the Photoshop and stuff we have today wasn't as strong mm-hmm. as it is, you know. So, who knows? But, yeah, it, it, it just seemed like he, he had this story in mind that he wanted to tell, and he started doing that. And I, I think, even still, because those, those first three issues was a complete story. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if he kind of envision this instead of like like a three panel newspaper strip gag a day he was like here's here's a a single story that i'm just gonna tell in however many ish issues i need here's the first three here's the next nine here's the you know next 13 you know here's the something like Mm -hmm. that instead uh, of it just being like hey here's one overarching story for 60 whole issues yeah yeah i liked how kind of free and formatless it was like you know having a three issue volume one and then a nine issue volume two and then having the individual issues being so experimental like we talked about how there's a lot of pages well there's two sections where for like three pages each it is just two columns of prose with like maybe a little illustration in each column which really an illuminated manuscript yes yes an illuminated manuscript (laughs) (laughs) and there's also sections where it gets like um oh like there's them as little kids it's this sort of i guess fantasy sequence of like what if they were like little like no peanuts children almost dream that that she was yeah yeah, having. and then Ketchu has that, like, uh, almost Disney princess, I, all the wildlife is my friends sort of dream that's also in a different <laughs> illustration style. Yeah. yeah, I really liked how there's, there's, exp- it gets kind of, it plays around the genre a little bit, especially in volume two where it gets into the thriller stuff. And there are panels that look yeah. like they are from, like, or like whole pages It's like, oh, this is from, like, an old, like, crime comic, an old detective comic, a horror story, maybe, like, a more human-based horror story, something without supernatural elements in it. It, Like, there's pages and whole sections of it that feel like they are outside of the genre where we originally started from. And then there's the really experimental stuff where it's like, okay, and now there's this Disneyfied dream that one of the characters is having. The Looney yes. Tunes version, yeah. It, it, I I kind of liked that he started to 
uh, I mean, again, he has very stylized art, and he would go back and forth between styles as he needed to, but the first three issues were a lot more bombastic, uh, and just crazy things happened, and, I mean, I I say crazy, but those first three didn't have the crime aspect, you you know, it it was more a a slice of life, but for a slice of life... Things seemed a lot more cartoony. Yeah. There was the the whole thing about, like, the neighbor. Uh, oh, yeah. As, as Kachu is going to get her revenge on Yeah, that whole Freddy. dream sequence with the neighbor. Yeah. That was just yeah. weird. But it... It, it the the whole thing is just kind of over the top, kind of wily coyote Looney Tunes. Yes, like you you had like a a rocket launcher in that bag. What in the world, you know? Um, and I kind of liked that he in volume two stopped a lot of that, mm-hmm. and the bombastic stuff only came at times when it was a dream sequence. Um, and it was a very, very clear, like, change of art style. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the first three didn't, didn't really have that clear yeah. denotation yes. of art style. It was just like, oh, okay, well, here's a p- p- panel of her waking up, but it's, it's still the same art style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of liked that, because I, I think why I didn't like it at first was how kind of c- crazy mm-hmm. over the top it was in some of this stuff. I was like, I don't really know if this is working the best. Um, but yeah, let me ask you this then. Oh, I also have a question too. Whenever you're done with your question. You, you first. Okay. Okay. Speaking about this dream imagery, I was fascinated with Kachu's relationship with her alarm clock, especially because it didn't seem like she had like a job uh, she was an artist, and when we would see her working on her art, it wasn't... Like, I think it was just another room in their apartment or in their house. Like, I don't... Like a third Yeah, bedroom, yeah, and yeah. I was kind of perplexed why she always has this the alarm going garage. off if she doesn't seem like she has anywhere she has to be at any certain time. And at first I was like, yeah. I mean... At, at first, you were like, what? At first, I was like, oh, is this like a, a plot hole or something? Or is she going to have a job that we are going to find out about? And I guess it just became, as we get deeper into the story, the alarm clock is less of like, oh, it's a nuisance. It's here to show like how you know short her temper is, that she's so furious at her alarm clock all the time. It's like, oh, no, this really represents like the ticking clock of death for her. And she probably does set it to like, Okay, I have to wake yeah. up. I have to do something with my life. I have to create. I have to be productive. I have to be responsible. I have to be an adult. And she wants the alarm clock to represent that. The the alarm clock represents responsibility, but instead she looks at she Yeah, it, it, it's but... <laughs> just like it's the ticking clock of death for her. It's no reality has come crashing down on you. You don't get to live in this little dream world anymore. It is the end of optimism for her. Yeah, I I think you nailed it oh with that. Because being an artist myself and someone who has a job that's very, very f- f- flexible on when I can mm-hmm. go in and stuff like that. Um, and I've had a job where I worked from home too. But like that lifestyle, 
is you can slip easily where it's just like i don't need to be anywhere i'm gonna stay up till six in the morning and i'm gonna sleep till four in the afternoon i i remember one summer uh i went home from school back to my parents house and it was one of those things i had nothing to do the entire summer like no one was in town it was just me at home by myself with my parents but my parents both still had to work so they were gone all day so I slept all day and I was literally waking up half an hour before they got home at like five in the afternoon and I would be up all night and going to bed when they left for work and it it, it was yeah so like I (laughs) like when they were gone I was passed out i slept all day and i was up on all night and as fun as that was for me it was so bad (laughs) yes it was terrible and like working from home can be this thing of like like i can technically work in my bed Mm -hmm. and be really comfortable and like not even put on clothes and stuff like that no one will know and or I can, like, actually wake up, you know, sit at my desk, get some work mm-hmm. d- done, be productive, do this stuff. Because if I'm sitting in my bed, I'm super comfortable, maybe I'll put the TV mm-hmm. on, you know, maybe I'll listen to some music. And it just, it, it kind of, it's, you, you tend to slip very easily. And I, I think with her having stolen this money and knowing that one day like shit can go mm-hmm. down and you know Darcy P- P- Parker can come yes. knocking um it it it's kind of a thing where she needs to be up and she needs to be like okay what what do I need to do let me be alert and figure out if I'm if I'm able to survive yes i think yeah, her alarm clock ended up being more of a running gag, right? Because when we first see it, yeah. she shoots it with a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, and it's and, and it does play back. almost just like and the next day it's back. Yeah, it's just like that this, too, you know. It's it is like a gag of just like oh look at how you know feisty this woman is, and then it gets to the point where it's like. Oh no, the alarm clock represents something that is tied to her very serious past, and that gun wasn't a gag. This is why she owns a yeah. gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I was going to say something. We had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties just a second ago. I'm sure in post I will have edited all of that out. Um, mm-hmm. But I was going to say something else that, yeah, I, I think... I, th- I think she just, like, it's more than just a gag, though. It does c- kind of represent, like, a darker side of her, too, where she has, she has, mm-hmm. she doesn't know when her time is up, if that means her life, or yeah. if she's going to be found out that she stole this money, or, yeah. um, and it's just, it's, it's kind of like, uh, oh, god damn it, you're going to hate me for blanking on his name, um, Captain Hook and the, oh, the crocodile. Yes, yes. it's yeah. exactly that. Where uh, it's 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 just this kind of metaphor for his life is kind of running out here. He's kind of this old fogey 
where he's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next generation is kind of coming up. Or I, I guess they don't want to grow up, but, you know. Um, yeah. Just this idea of, like, hey, as you get older, your time is kind of running out. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name. Captain Hook. Oh, Kyle. <laughs> oh, who's um, who's that sharp man on the boat? That, that, Captain that Hook. Dude, I was like, Smee. I remember Smee. Smee's <laughs> boss. Smee's boyfriend? That's right. It's Captain Hook. Um, shame on you, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> especially because especially I've been replaying the Kingdom Hearts games. And yes. uh, I made in, like, a guest appearance on the Geek Heart Games podcast. Go check them out if you like video games. Um, mm-hmm. And I was mentioning that I got I got through this one boss and then got stuck on another one immediately after that. And I was like, this is bullshit. It's stupid. How can I whoop one boss's ass and then the next one I, I just get completely stomped by? The one that I whooped was C- Captain Hook. Where'd I beat go? him. I stomped him to death. Uh, and I, I, I won. Okay, I didn't literally stomp him to death, but you know what I mean. I mean, if there's one thing, if there's one thing I know about Kingdom Hearts, everyone has big shoes, <laughs> yes. so that is feasible. <laughs> that 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 is actually plausible. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so Captain Hook, come on, Kyle. But um, back, <laughs> back to Strangers in Paradise. The the question I was mm-hmm. going to ask you is. Um, what did you not like about this book? Is there anything in here that you think they could they could have done better, uh, or just didn't connect with you? Uh, I think the series starts in a place where it's like, okay, there's these three characters in what is otherwise a sea of depravity. How like, so? For a while. For a while, like, every side character they run into is just really seedy. Like, Freddy is a jerk. There's that spying neighbor next door. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, like, there's that cop that's, you know, trying to pull off Ketchu's shirt when she goes to the police for, like, uh, when she's at the police station after, like, emasculating Freddy. Yeah, tying Freddy up in front of a window with a magnifying glass in front of him. Yep. Oof. Mm-hmm. And, and then yeah, and that's like, a hunting joke too. Where it's like apparently he has a yeah. small dick. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and I I didn't really like how for a while it was like okay, here's three like interesting, real, relatable characters, and everyone around them is like a cartoon nasty person. Yeah. And that does even out after a while. Mustache Cop is a pretty upstanding guy. I was a big fan of Mustache Cop. I think his name is Walsh, maybe? I think so. Let me see if I can find it on Wikipedia. They name a couple of the main characters. No, I don't see his name popping up here. So he might not stick around much. Oh, I liked him. He was interesting, yeah. I liked him as well. Yes, I think... Yeah, I think that's like the only thing I would have changed. He was he was kind of the one character that was more normal. Besides, I mean, yeah. I, I guess you can argue that Francine and Kachu are the normal 
wall of ones, especially with their mm-hmm. spying neighbor and, you know, all that stuff. But yeah. that cop was kind of the more straight-laced, just average... He's an average cop. Um, that's just yeah. kind of who he was. And, I, I mean, again, he's, he's kind of more cardboard cutout stuff. But I think we've also seen enough crime shows and cop shows where not to say it doesn't matter because you should still write good characters but it's like i i can mm-hmm. kind of fill in the blanks some because i know what an ev- yeah. what an average everyday c- cop c- kind of looks like and sounds like and stuff like that i did really like where he gets called to a case and he gets called out of his bed with his wife yeah. And it's this joke about, oh, yeah, I'm real tired, I'm real sore, whatever. And one of his co-workers, like, one of his partners is like, oh, you're still at it? And he's like, look, if you marry the right woman, yeah, you're still going to be at it even after you've been married for a year or whatever. And I liked that it wasn't like, this guy's real horny. It's like, this guy really loves his wife. And especially to have, this is a cop with a beautiful, loving marriage and we didn't put it in there because he is in mortal peril and he's it's not like the 3 days away from retirement thing i mean it's not maybe he's not a main c- character because he gets killed off uh, down the road who oh knows oh no i don't I, want him to get killed I off i really like i liked him and i liked that he just got to have a really nice normal healthy romantic life on the side of his work like oh good somebody here does. i liked his wife for the joke that she yeah. made she, she has maybe two lines in the in the whole thing because they yeah. they just get done having sex and that's when he gets the call and she asks him where are you off to and he says the hospital and then she kind of looks at the camera and goes it was that good huh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, Mrs. Mustache is really great, too. Yeah, I was like, I like you. you you've got some spunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I am glad that the series got to a point where there were more, like, real and more uh, kindly, relatable, just, like, everyday good old human characters yeah. besides That's good. Kichu and Francine and David. That was good. I, I think for me... Um, if if there was stuff that I didn't like, I I think, I I I think for me it got off to a rocky start. Those first three issues are kind of not not what I wanted. Um, I, I I still think they're great comics, but it was just like this is not what I'm interested in. Uh, mm-hmm. So for me that didn't work. But I think then the switch from that style to the crime thriller stuff that was heavy in volume two. While I like that crime stuff more, um, Mm -hmm. I think that switch was a little bit jarring. Yes. Um, Hmm. Just to, from all of a sudden it's, you know, it, it, it's about these girls and their friendships and their relationships and who they like and who they don't like, you know, to, 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 Oh, maybe one of them, stole a bunch of money from this like potential mm. mafia leader and it's like wait what like yeah i, I don't know it i mean i i think it ends up be for the better but i mean i i guess hindsight is 2020 kind of thing where mm-hmm. it's like yeah i kind of would have liked it if it just kind of went straight into that that kind of story um rather than giving mm-hmm. us those first three that kind of don't fit 
the rest of it because I'm I'm assuming the rest of this the, the this series kind of keeps with this same vibe because again we still yeah. don't know about all of these characters and their backstory stories and stuff like that so who knows mm-hmm. but I'm excited to check out some more yeah I think I'll I'll definitely finish this at some point I was. And this is never a series I think I would have ever picked up by myself. Cool. Good. I, I, I know yeah. at least the next volume, which I think is only three or four issues, is also on Comixology Unlimited. Okay. Um, so if anyone out there has that, you can read some of these series uh, on mm-hmm. Comixology Unlimited. Or if you want to buy it, you can buy it there too. Um, and I mentioned that this year in 2018 he started up a new series of Strangers in Paradise. And from what I hear, he's starting to mix in characters from his other books and stuff like that. So it's this whole kind of, they're all kind of taking place in the same universe uh, thing, which is neat. It's cool. Yeah. Cool stuff. So last thoughts, last words. I'm really glad I read this. Like I said, I don't think I would have picked it up normally. And if you're like me and you are somebody that skews towards, like, sci-fi and fantasy and superpowers and all that, if you try this, like, try this, even if you don't think you're in the mood for just a plain old normal human story, it's really well done. And the art is just fantastic to look at. It's good. I I think for me, I would say especially if you're interested in crime stories, um... Because mm-hmm. I've I've heard n- nothing but great things about this book, and I think most of the people, uh, or not most, but a lot of the people that I've heard talk about this book either say that this was one of their first comics that they read, or it's like the only one that they've read, and they like are upset, mm-hmm. like they love it. Um, and but I I never knew that it was really a crime story. I I thought it was more of a romance thing. Um, which I'm mm-hmm. sure there is a lot more aspects to the romance stuff as the story continues, but I I think I think especially for me, a lot of people sold it short of like, hey, this is there's mm-hmm. actually some good crime story stuff going on here too. Check it out. So, yeah, I recommend it. Terry Moore is pretty cool. He does all all his his artwork and he writes his own stories. And I think his wife is the one that helps him out with the publishing and the marketing and stuff like that. So oh. it's a husband and wife t- team, if I'm not m- mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, go go check it out. But uh, we are g- 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 we are going to wrap things up here. Uh, and get on to pitching what we will talk about for next week. And Melissa, it is your turn to pitch. Yes. So pitch number one is a TV series. It is um, two seasons, a total of 18 uh, half-hour-long episodes. It's on Netflix. It's called Gallivant. Hmm. And it is a show that was on ABC in the last handful of years and I believe ultimately got canceled. It is a medieval like Arthurian knights and princesses and all that <laughs> musical. Interesting. Is every yeah, episode so a musical? I believe so. Oh, yeah, wow. I think they sing through the whole thing. I don't know a ton about this story. Knights of the Round Table. Like, I can only... 
right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it sounds like if you've ever seen the musical, like, Once Upon a Mattress, it's a popular one for, like, high schools and colleges to do. It seems like that. Okay. Or if you've ever seen, I don't know, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay. Gotcha. These are the two polls I've got. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, just sort of a fun... You know, maybe it's got fantasy elements. Maybe there's wizards and dragons and things. I don't actually know. I really just saw, like, medieval, musical. And I'm like, that's it. That's all I need. We've. I know it stars T- Timothy Odmanson, who is the cop in Psych. Okay. And Weird Al was on one episode <laughs> because, of course, he was. Because we'll not have Weird Al feature in your t- t- TV show and write a song. For, yeah. I'm sure he yeah. helped out with that. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And that's uh, and called Gallivant? Gallivant, okay. yes. I probably should have looked up more about it, but that was like the last pitch I added to my list. We've only done one other musical on this show, and it was a, I mean, it was a musical proper, but that was Hamilton a long time ago when that mm-hmm. came out. Um, that was all the rage back then. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Pitch number two. What do you got? This is a podcast. It is, uh, I'd call it an audio sitcom. Okay. And it's called The Fearsome Morning. And it's this really small, really short show. I think the entire thing runs less than like three hours. And it's unfinished. I think I tried looking it up once when I first learned about this show. And like, I couldn't find much about it. There was like a blog with a couple posts that didn't, didn't update So I imagine it's just made by a very small group of people who then just got busy with other stuff in their life. I don't know, but it's so fun and so charming and so unique. It is fairly short and fairly light, so I don't know if there might be as much for you to dig your little narrative analysis teeth into, Kyle. what? But the fearsome morning. Here, here, let me read you... Let me read you, like, the byline, the description for this show. Okay. Hit me with your best shot. In a brand new work that is 90% fiction and 10% delusion... Listen as Joe, an optimistic Los Angeles transplant and personal assistant to the 14th sexiest man alive, <laughs> provides you with thrilling insights into the world of the Hollywood elite, including things that Oprah has thrown out, gas station celebrity lookalike sightings, and secret studio donut choosing hierarchies. So it's basically about this like wide-eyed, you know, optimistic kid from New Jersey who tries to travel to Los Angeles to try and get a job as a DJ. And he ends up landing his dream position, which is personal assistant to his favorite, like, nationally syndicated morning talk show host. And the podcast is in the form of audio logs that he records and sends back to his giant family in Jersey. And the whole thing is just weird. Like, it's weird. Not like Night Vale weird, but just like... Every hijinks that, like, his family gets into that he's like, oh, yeah, I hope grandma's, you know, surviving this and, you know, hope my brothers aren't getting into too much trouble. Like, all of that stuff he talks about and all of just the insane things that his boss has him do 
It's a really funny, charming, strange little show, and I always want to tell people about it, but I have a hard time articulating it, and there's nothing I can compare it to. Interesting. I can only tell you what it isn't. I can't tell you what it <laughs> is. And so I'd kind of, I'd be interested to have you listen to it and kind of talk through this thing okay. with me. There are, I think, seven episodes out right now, as along with a pilot episode. Yeah, so yeah, and there's, like, bonus clips and everything in there, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Huh, cool. And pitch number three. Pitch number three is... This is the weirdest one. I've been ramping up in terms of, like, mildly unusual, pretty weird. <laughs> okay, how do I even explain this one to you? This is called... 17,776. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. It's... It is a multimedia storytelling experience that involves text logs and video clips. And it is called 17,776, or what football will look like in the future. And that is the year this takes place. And it takes place in this future where human beings have stopped dying we developed nanobot technology so advanced Mm -hmm. that nobody dies anymore and also there might have been like a children of men situation where people stop being born too i think that's also the case so human beings just are immortal and they've lived for so long that like they've invented all these technologies that have taken care of every everyday problem in their lives and so now they've got nothing but leisure time And what these humans do with their leisure time is they just play giant, insane games of football. Like, okay, our field goals are Nebraska and uh, Wisconsin. That's your playing field. (laughs) You have to get the football from Nebraska to Wisconsin. And it's just these human beings running, just running. And they could have a football game that lasts years. Interesting. And everybody is up on these. Like, there are huge stars that are just like everyday people that just ran across the United States carrying a ball. (laughs) And this entire thing is told from the point of view of three satellites, three sentient satellites looking down on Earth. Interesting. And it's not very long. This is another thing that I think I probably read through the whole thing in like three or four hours. It came out last summer and I just raved to everybody about it for like a week. And I've thought about it every once in a while since then. Like, I gotta reread that thing, and I would like to reread it with you. Interesting. Yeah, so those are my three increasingly bonkers pitches. (laughs) Um, let's see. I think... I'm wondering how difficult it will be to do that last one. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's, like, a multimedia thing. Yeah, it's just short videos every once in a while, and mostly, like, text and pictures. It's almost like a comic with a video thrown in every once in a while. Yeah, it's kind of weird to describe to people in terms of how it's actually formatted and what the structure of the thing is. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that might be a little bit difficult to kind of consume and digest and talk about. But I am interested in that podcast. 
because okay. we haven't done a podcast on this show in a long time. It's been mm-hmm. a while, and I always want to uh, support the audio drama community. Yeah, I think I think I actually looked this up, and the last podcast you guys did was the Black Tapes back in January. Yes, we did our season three, which mm-hmm. is supposedly their finale, but also maybe supposedly not because there's they put something out after that. There was a little. T- Mm-hmm. about something actually um paul bebe who helps make the b- black tapes posted a picture on his twitter of this chair out in the woods with his two dogs and oh. he was like whoever put this random ass chair in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere has succeeded in scaring the hell <laughs> out of me he's like i'm here all the time and no one is ever here just like where did this chair come from and so i i replied on on twitter i was like season four of the black tapes confirmed (laughs) (laughs) mystery chair um so yeah um but i'm i i want to do more audio drama stuff because i i know there's some great stories out there um, and there's a lot that I still don't know about. I, I kind of only know about some of the more bigger name ones, and I haven't be- – because I, I consume so much other content, it's hard for me mm-hmm. to even, like, fit in an audio drama story, like, in my stuff. So I know of ones that are out there that it's like, hey, I would like to end up doing this, but I don't even know where to start yet. Um, mm-hmm. So. I, I, I think pitch number two, The Fearsome Morning, is what we'll do yeah. for next week. Awesome! I'm glad you picked this, because this is something I've never heard anybody talk about. I read it in one, like, big podcast, like, audio drama recommendation list, one among a list of, like, 20 things. Cool. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody mention it except for that post where I originally yeah, found I've it. So I'm glad we'll be covering this. heard of it, so that, that's why it's, huh, let's see what this one's about. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you think about it, because I really love cool. it, and like I said, I, it's so strange in such a way that other strange things are not strange. What? <laughs> that I, <laughs> like, Night Vale is weird, but you can explain Night Vale's weirdness to somebody. This is, like, quieter and subtler, okay. but also very cartoony. Okay. I'm excited to talk through this with Sweet. you. Well, that's what we'll be doing for next week. The podcast is is called The Fearsome Morning. Uh, again, there's like seven-ish episodes out um, right now. Uh, so you guys can go ch- check it out. Go listen to that this week. And we will be talking about that next week. Um, yeah. That being said, if you guys enjoyed this episode uh, or enj- if, if you enjoy any of our episodes and stuff like that go to patreon.com slash the whatnots and you can support us uh, for as little as a dollar a month uh, and you can get all of our podcasts early um, we got some more things c- coming down the road as well some more cool p- p- perks um, so go support us there if you like what we do and w- w- want to see us g- grow and make some more awesome content for you guys but if you guys don't have any money to give that is a-okay. We just want you to enjoy the show. Uh, at, at least go tell, tell someone else to, 
tweet about, about it or tell a neighbor as long as they're not spying on you or something. Um, no, don't tell them. <laughs> Call the cops on them. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, go go do all the stuff on the social medias. Right now, our Twitch page and our YouTube page could use a lot of love from you guys. We have thousands of followers on Twitter, but there's only like 15 of you each on Twitter and YouTube. So come on, guys. You need to uh, step it up here and help us out a, a, a bit. There's so many of, of, of you. Uh, and we know you guys all have, like, YouTube pages and stuff like that. So it's free. It's simple. It mm-hmm. is e- easy. You guys can go help us out and follow us on there, even if that is not your preferred way of consuming the show or if you cannot make the live streams. That is A-OK. Um, I just mentioned live streams. This is usually a live show on twitch.tv slash the whatnots, but this goes up as a podcast and on YouTube the following week. Uh, I think that is all the rigmarole that I need to do right now. So thank you guys. Our rigs have been marolled. Our, our rigs have been marolled. Our, our, you just got Rick rolled. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, never gonna give you up. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for jo- jo- joining us. We will be back next week with the fearsome morning. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Till next time. My name is Kyle Springer. And I'm Melissa. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.